Got it. Good morning and welcome to The Growth Show. Today's guest and collaborator is Donnie Backham. Is that how you say your surname? Uh, I say Bechan. Bechan. Uh, oh, I got it wrong. That's not a good start, is it? <laughs> but, but it's it's spelled it's spelled like that famous um, actor. So he's Bachan. So okay, uh, you know, like I, I use that every time I go to India. I, I, so I got it completely wrong. So that's not a good start. Anyway, Donnie and I have known each other for about ten years, um, and we're actively working on a couple of technology projects together. Um, and we during during COVID times, we basically established a setup whereby we have a weekly call and we talk about life and we talk about technology and we talk about things that are exciting, exciting one another. And Donnie is the founder of a business called Six Berries and he's a great tech guy and I like I like talking to him and I like working with him because he gives me ideas and inspiration for some of the businesses that I'm working on and I'm going to hand over to Donnie in a minute but first of all for those of you who don't know me because Donnie's also going to be posting this on his uh, podcast channel um, my name is Matt Lindsay I'm the founder of multiple businesses uh, I'm an ex-banker and I've raised lots of capital for companies and I work with property developers and investors and I've got an obsession with lead generation and I love finding new digital strategies and growth hacky, I don't really like that phrase, but disruptive ways of attracting clients. Yeah. Over to you, Donnie. What's your background? Oh. Well, yeah, so um, thanks, Matt. And, you know, it's been great chatting with you. I think we have our mini mastermind um every friday yeah just the two of us um and it's been really really insightful i mean you've done massive work on on that lead gen side which has been you know eye-opening uh you know uh and i've learned a lot as well so my uh, you know my background is in tech i've been doing this for a long time um as you can tell from the gray hairs and the lack of hair <laughs> um so, you know i'm originally pretty caribbean and i moved to the uk about 14 years ago 15 years ago now and um, you know, we work primarily with startups. We help a lot of startups um, and come in as essentially technical co-founders, putting in their full team in place. And I mean, you know, I'm fascinated by some of the technology and stuff. That's why we we thought we'd have this conversation today. Um, some of the new things that's been going on. Yeah, exactly. So what we thought we'd do, as it's kind of a Christmas special, we thought we'd do a review of where where we are in the world, what's happened in 2022 what's failed and what's been great so yeah. we've we've got a little sheet that we're going to work our way through um yeah, yeah. and do, do you want to do you want to present the ideas how are we going to do this yeah i think i think we'll go through a few things um you know we want to talk about the fact that uh people are intent on replacing people like me who are programmers and uh you know coders and, and technology people um with with smarter smart you know very smart tools some of the cool things that's been going on um we want to talk about uh, so we're going to talk about AI a lot and automation. Uh, we also want to talk about what's failed <laughs> and what currently seems like it's failing. Um, and and we we definitely want to touch on crypto because you know it's such a such an important thing that's coming up and uh, you know lots of things going on with it. And I think the last thing is we're gonna we're gonna give some uh, predictions for 2023. Absolutely, absolutely. So. First and foremost, we've got a section kind of about no code and low code and AI everywhere. So you're the no code and low code specialist. So I'm not going to talk about that. So I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But, so can we touch on that as a topic first and foremost? Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm a specialist, but like <laughs> as I said, like I think people are intent on uh, on, on getting rid of people like me. So we we build solutions, and now you have so many platforms that people can self serve, right? Um, for many years, so no code and low code is now, you know, are now buzzwords. And and for people who don't know what low code and no code is, it's basically the ability for just anybody to build out a technology solution, right? So um, back in the day when you had WordPress, that was low code and no code. You didn't need somebody to kind of kind of do that for you. The majority of things you can go onto a website, you can build your own website, you can design it and everything yourself. Um, you needed to know a little bit of technology, a little bit of tech. But that's improved over the years, right? So now, if you want to start an e-commerce store, you don't need a developer. You go to Shopify. It takes you like 15 minutes to sign up, and you can be selling in 15 to 20 minutes, right? 
Um, and, and that's amazing. You know, uh, Y Combinator was started by um, somebody who was building e-commerce sites back in 19, what, 1998, right? Um, and it's come so long, you know, it's come along so much in the last few years. Um, now you have things like Webflow and Bubble where you can build pretty much anything and you don't really need that much that much tech knowledge. You spend probably like a couple hours looking at a video and you can build your own website, you can build an application, you can, you know, you can start building a membership portal. It's just moved so far along. And now with things like integration tools, things like Figma, which just got bought by Adobe, you can design something again. You don't need to be an expert. You can go in there and you learn how to design something. You can design something and then transfer that over to something like Webflow and it automatically works for you, right? Um, it, it's just it's just fascinating stuff that's been coming around. I, I agree. And I think one of your the theses is, and I don't know whether you, you wanted to talk about this or not, but I'm going to, um, is, is around that capability for a business that is going to be looking for funding, potentially, and their ability to get much further down the line. So you can go from idea to almost proof of, proof of concept um, with no code, low code, which basically, if you're if you're a founder of a of a of a startup, this gives you the ability to get to that next phase, which means that you give away much less of the company when you go and do your fundraise, right? That's that's kind yeah. of part of your thesis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the things that people don't understand is the concept of MVP and prototypes and stuff like that. And you know, everybody believes, most people believe that when they come out, they have to build a lot of things. They have to the first thing that they do is go. I have an idea for a product. I have to go find a development agency to build it. And while sometimes it's true, things like no code and low code and, and, and tools like Figma have made it so easy for you to validate your idea. You can do something really simple, validate it, build a prototype in a tool like Bubble or Webflow, and then have users coming on board, right? Um, and actually have, you, you know, you can have almost charge for these things sometimes. Uh, we have, we have, you know, in our portfolio, we have a client who built something on on Bubble, and they have paid users already. Um, so you can now go to investors and say, "Hey, I spent six months building this thing myself," or we we worked with a team that um, that a lot that helped us build it, but at a much lower cost initially. Prove that we can build something out, and then the investors can you know can them can see traction, which is. So much more helpful than years ago, where uh, investors, at least in my experience, they they said, "Well, where's your product? Right? Have you built something?" And you know, it's a chicken and egg, right? You don't have any money to build anything, so you need to pay developers. Where are you going to get the money from? Um, so now it's a, it's much easier to go out and then get something done. You know, we've uh, you know, I personally advise people to to not even come and talk to us, right? Like, if you if you don't have any money to spend, you know. If you're working, spend some time in the afternoons, learn how to use these platforms, and then do it yourself. It will be dirty. It might not be great, but like um, you know, you will you'll be able to test your ideas yourself. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think that kind of leads us quite nicely into the next kind of topic, which is I think probably the the, the advancements that we've seen in this area. Um, I had a guest on my podcast earlier earlier last week. Um, and we were talking about this as well, which is AI everywhere, right? This this has just gone completely nuts. And in particular, I think we're talking about uh, ChatGPT, um, which is, you know, for, for me, I'm amazed at what it can do. And I think you have exactly the same feelings about this. Everyone I talk to, I'm talking to about it. Everyone's bored of me talking about it, but I just can't get over how much of an advancement this is um and and what i mean the, the 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 potential with this is pretty unlimited right yeah it's uh it is insane like the ability to tell something you know it, you know it, it, it is it is sci-fi coming to life right it's mm. like everything you see on star trek and all those kind of things where you go do this for me computer do this for me and the computer does it for you um obviously it's not at that level yet but um you know i can tell it pretty much anything you know like uh, i posted something on linkedin the other day as a test right and um, it was completely written by ai and no nobody knows the difference right like it was so well written i didn't have to edit it it was like i've used a lot of tools that that give you concepts and stuff like that in the past where it was mm -hmm. ai writers 
but nothing on this level. It writes well, it's believable, it writes proper English. Uh, I know you you said something to me the other day, you said you can tell it to be funny and it will write something that's, you know, amusing. Right. Exactly. That that is a test that I've just continually done with it, and and I think yeah. so. You can create a piece of content about a topic, and then you can give it. Basically, the the, the key is, and we talked about this the other day, is how you give it commands. And I think basically you've got to kind of relearn. So it's a bit like using Google for the first time. When you first search, you're not necessarily going to interrogate the data in the right way. And using using this chat GPT function, which is um, by OpenAI, we'll include a link to this in the show notes. You can basically, it, 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 you have to learn how to interrogate it. And there's various instructions that you can give. But my favorite one is make it funny or make it witty when it's written some text and then it rephrases it. And some of the analogies that includes in it are, are just incredible. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal. I'm, I'm blown away. Yeah, it, it is. It is extremely well done. Um, but this shows you the power of consuming data, right? So like mm. everybody talks about machine learning and AI. Um, and what OpenAI has done is that they've consumed so much information across the internet mm-hmm. um, and been able to train a thing. And this is, you know, like somebody tests that I've seen people do. People have built an application, so like somebody's tested building a to-do app, right? So they, they've just given it commands and it's written mm-hmm. the entire code and and um, put it out there. And they didn't have to do anything, right? They have to make small edits here and there potentially, but for the most part, it's really good at those types of things. Um, I think my my biggest concern with it overall is plagiarism, right? And how do you get unique Nexus content? Because if you have multiple people asking the same things, and eventually there will be multiple people asking the same thing um, of it, how do you how do you kind of look at plagiarism and and um, copyright and all this kind of thing? So um, it's interesting. My my uh, you know we'll talk about something else in a second, but like my daughter is an art student, and her her one of her projects was to talk about is um is computer generated art art right because if you're telling it what to do who where does the ip sit uh and this is my concern with chat gpt because it's already been banned on um things like stack overflow where people are just using it to answer questions and some of the questions some of the answers aren't you know 100 accurate on on what it is so these are these are the kind of little concerns i have but ultimately it will get better Right. The more the more people use it, the more data it consumes. And that's why they kind of have it in that kind of beta beta format at this point. Um, but it, it is tremendous. It is paradigm shifting. Right. It's that next level. So, yes, you have no code and low code tool, which allows you to put up a Shopify website pretty quickly. But now there, there's going to be a point where you can just tell the computer, I want to I want an app that does, you know, podcasts podcast recording or something and it will build all the tools that you need to it's still probably that's still probably a couple of years away but you know this is the first step in that direction i believe and and it's only been like properly released i know they released dali the uh, kind of image generator and we'll come on to that in a minute uh, earlier yeah. this year but it's only been released for a couple of weeks it's just absolutely incredible how you know they, they, they've, they've just changed the game with this one release really i think yeah. from, from my perspective yeah. um yeah so we, we've, we've got some things so what do we think it is good at if we talk about chat chat open ai chat gpt specifically what is it good at yeah well i think content gen- definitely like yeah. content generation is just like it's amazing at content generation we i've given it some tests i've been testing it out with different things and some of the content that has come up with from from a really cold start. So you can say like, um, I think the example that I gave on LinkedIn was, um, uh, what do what do VCs look for um, in a company? And it wrote 10, 10 points, like ten tips, why? And it was very very accurate. I mean, you, you your background is in is in finance and stuff like that, and and you thought it was really good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and I didn't have to edit it at all. It just it just wrote that. So I think content is definitely one of the things that it's really good at mm-hmm. i think things like um uh it has a little bit of development stuff to be done yet but like interfaces i think it will be able to um effectively consume potentially a, a ui and and build it out um and then you can tell it simple things like build me a ui for login and password and it can do those kinds of things so some of those simple tasks it's it's good at 
And some examples I've seen is not chat GPT, but it's, you know, um, natural language processing stuff, mm -hmm. the different service where they've done stuff on spreadsheets, right? So you tell it, you know, I want to build this formula or I want to calculate this thing or I need to add this column and it just does it for you. So you don't have to, to know these things anymore. So I think some of those kind of process driven stuff, it's really, really good at. I agree. I think there's going to be challenges with it from a duplicate content perspective. And my understanding is I'm in a, a kind of an SEO group and uh, in there they're talking about that actually Google already has the ability to identify content. That, well, they say they do, right? We don't know this yeah, for yeah. a fact, but they say they have the ability to um, identify content that is generated by ChatGPT. So I'm not necessarily sure that you could use it as ranking content. But if you used it as as a basis for generating, you know, a, a level of a level of content for a particular topic, and then you know you put your own flavour in there, you put your own, you know, you, you build use it as a basis. I I don't see how they could know, right? And it gets to the point yeah. where it gives you structure, it gives you texture, it gives you humour, it gives you all of these things, which I think could be could be incredibly valuable yeah. for um, you know, for, from an SEO perspective. So. Yeah. Absolutely. I think in the short term, you, you know, what you should be using it for is that ideation side. So, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we, we're trying to put out more content. We're not marketers. We're not, we're not, uh, I'm, I'm not um, somebody who just sits there and writes content all day. So if I have an idea for something, I want to be able to get, get an outline of it really quickly. I can put something in, it'll give me ideas. I can then take that and expand on it. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I absolutely think that that's a really good thing because, as I said, like Stack Overflow has already figured out how to detect um, the content that comes out of the chat GPT and have blocked it actively. So there will be ways to 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 know. Um, I haven't looked at it fully in terms of whether you can tell what the metadata and stuff are, but like it's um, it's definitely something that we need to. We also need to be careful of it, right? Because um, you know, with with misleading information and all those kind of things, this is where you know, who's going, there's a bigger conversation to talk about who's going to kind of moderate these things, right? So mm. uh, if it's writing so confidently, if it's generating content so confidently, and you can't tell the difference between a human and, and, and a, you know, AI, then if it's spewing out content, that's probably not, you know, uh, not factually based. Um, how do you know, right? Like, so it's something that we need to, uh, uh, to, to look at this is another concern that I have. How are we going to moderate that type of thing going forward? Well, it's, it's how we're going to moderate it, but fundamentally more concerning. It makes me feel like I'm not that clever because, you know, <laughs> th this this can pull out something that's, you know, absolutely perfectly written from a kind of, from a wit and from a humour perspective and getting the key points across about any topic. Far quick, you know, I could do it, but it's going to take me half a day to write an article to that calibre and it does it in seconds, right? It's just ridiculous. So, exactly. but but obviously, I, I found factual information that they include within some of the some of the content, and it's not right, you know. And that yeah. that's concerning if you're just going to copy and paste from yeah, from, yeah. from it into you know, and that 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 could you know that could be that could be embarrassing, and it could you know you, you could end up in all kinds of trouble. So it so that kind of leads us on to the to the negatives really. So we talked about some of the pros of it. You know the software side is obviously amazing. The right, the ability to generate code is amazing. The ability to generate content is amazing. What's it not so amazing for? Yeah, as I said, like I, I think the concerns that I have really is is around the accuracy of the content. Uh, you know, copyright copyright infringement because um, GitHub, uh, where where most people store their code, like it's a, it's one of the biggest places for people storing their code. Mm -hmm. They had this thing called Copilot. Which was their AI tool for helping you write content, write code, and um, sorry, I, I did I did the quotes like if it wasn't actually AI, it was AI. So sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, get stuff. Um, but um, uh, it it helped you write your code. But then there was like a big thing around plagiarism, right? So it was basically what it was doing is like looking at other people's code, um, looking at your code, and then copying parts of other people's code into your code. I mean that's not strictly exactly what happened, but um, there was a big copyright uh, concern about it. So um, you because the company GitHub had access to everybody's code, even if it's a private repository, now we can then take things and put it in other people's code. So 
people were complaining about you know the IP IP aspect of that. And I think the same kind of thing will apply to Chat GPT, right? Because there's only there's only so so many ways to you know to to solve the problems. And eventually, what's going to happen is like if you have it writing code for you, or even writing content for you, it's going to start looking at. I wrote something before, right? Um, and it's popular. So if somebody asks me for the same thing, I'm going to give that content, right? I mean, it just makes sense. Why would you write something that's not going to be popular? Um, but but would but wouldn't you? That comes down to your interrogation of it and your way that you ask the question, right? So what what if you're going to use this kind of software rather than just ask what is this? Give me a you know give me a pitch document for this. Give me a you know giving away some of the tips that I'm yeah. kind of using this for. Give me some uh, you know sales copy for this. You need to be interrogating it in deeper ways. So give it a you know, give me five tips about this particular topic and then expand upon them and then make it funny, make it serious, make it whatever, you know, so so you can you can kind of humanize it more, right? Well, no, I agree. And this is the thing is like, um, you know, everybody's kind of putting this out there as like anybody can use it. But, it, you know, your example of Google is a really good example because, you know, if you, if the way most people use Google is that they just type something into the search, right? If you really want to get, accurate results. You use all the modifiers and, and tips and using quotes and you know minus signs and plus signs and all these kind of things to help get more accurate information. The same thing with LinkedIn. People people search the ability to search on LinkedIn is just they put a, a basic thing in. But if you look at the advanced features of it. Yeah, it's um, got, it's got a, a Boolean search function in it, which is, is it, it, it's got modifiers that you can bring in, hasn't it? It's quite, quite it's, smart search. Exactly. So, it, you know, Chat GPT for it to become useful will become like your your new Excel, right? So again, most people use an Excel, they will just be able to to you know build a table and and sum some stuff. But if you look at an expert user, they will build something out like like an amazing financial model with mm -hmm. calculations and macros and everything everywhere. So you know things like Chat GPT will become those tools, right? It, it will become they're super advanced and they can do a lot of things for you, but you still need to learn to use it properly. Um, so, so yeah, I 100% agree. I, I think I think there's the ability to, you know, posts on Twitter can be can be definitely be written by it. LinkedIn posts, marketing materials, outbound copy to you know to to target clients to potential clients. Um, I think you could potentially build training courses using it in terms of key structured content. So there's some of the kind of practical applications that I'm personally thinking about, right? In terms of how I could build something in literally seconds, and this would give me the ability to then go and launch a training course about, I don't know, how to, how to interrogate chat GPT, right? You could potentially do a course on that as, you know, and it would tell you how to do it because that's what it's there to do. So yeah. th this, is, this is the kind of stuff that's really interesting to me, and I think it's a game changer. So yeah, yeah. We, we've got the question on here, what does it mean for tech? <laughs> well, you know, in the next year, I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference in the next year, to be honest. But again, like, you know, technology as it sits right now, or development, this development side of things, at least, uh, it is fundamentally going to change how we do stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I still think like uh, the analogy I give a lot of the times is, is like going to the gym, right? Anybody can go to the gym, but like, you know, most people go to the gym and they don't really get a massive amount of results. It's when the personal trainers come in and, and, and help you get to your goals. Uh, so I think that the way we do stuff will change, but not, you know, we're not going to get rid of people. We're just going to, people are just going to have different skill sets, right? And so we have to adopt technology, this kind of technology within how we deliver stuff. So if you have somebody who has technical prowess, right? So somebody is a developer, for example, they can use chat GPT to help enhance how to deliver stuff and enhance the speed to delivery because, you know, time is money with everything. So mm -hmm. um, I think it's not going to necessarily be a bad thing. I don't think people are going to get out of work because that's one of the biggest fear, fears for people when they talk about AI and, and computers and stuff like that. They think that they're going to get out of work. I don't think that that's going to be true. I think these things assist you in being much more efficient. So what you have to do is just learn a new skill. Mm. No, I agree. I think it's um, 
yeah, there's, there's, there's lots of practical applications that can be applied to it, but it comes down to, you know, using this as part of, you know, and, and as you have, I talk, talked about a lot offline, it's about, you know, part of a strategy. And this just gives you another piece that, you know, you can, you can potentially, potentially like accelerate the process. That's the way I look at it. Um, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. So next we look, we, I added this one in, but it's kind of image, image generation automation um, as well, which is, yeah. I mean, some of this stuff is absolutely incredible. Um, there's, yeah. there's, there's three that I've come across, and I'm sure there's more than this. So this isn't, a, isn't an exhaustive list. Yeah. Um, but mid-journey, um, I've seen some of the content this is pushing out is incredible. Uh, you've got Dali and you've got Stable Diffusion. They're the kind of three big ones in, in, in the, so that I've learned about so far. Yeah. And so basically what these do, you can, you can basically give it instructions to basically create content, so visual content in this instance, which is around a particular subject. So you could have a wizard walking along with a lamb beside him in, I don't know, by Mount Everest, right? You could use that as your combination of things and make it in the style of Harry Potter, you know, just to continue yeah, the theme yeah. of the wizard, right? And it will do it. it. It will generate that content for you in 30 seconds and it will give you four or five variations. And then you can pick the variation that you're most happy with and then yeah. ask it to generate a, a suite of content around this. Um, again, I, I watched something this morning where someone was using, uh, what were they using? They were using Midjourney to generate a website um, for, for, for a client. And yeah. They did it in like 10 seconds. And he was like, look, I'm not entirely happy with this, but I'll tell you what, it's better than my web development would be, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, just in <laughs> seconds. So so what's your view of this, Donny? How do you feel about this? Uh, again, it's it's so, so bloody impressive. Right? I mean, it's like, it's insane how, how good and so, how sophisticated these things are. You know, like stable diffusion and stuff like that, the, the type of detail that you get in some of these things, it's... Uh, I, I'm just lost for words, right? Like, it's so, so good. It's so, so accurate. Um, and the same thing as you're saying, it's like, it's that extension of no code. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, chat GPT will, will, will link into these things, right? So you describe something verbally or text-based text and then it will generate images and stuff like that for you. It's just crazy, man. Like, uh, you know, stock photos and stuff like that, things like past, right? You know, like you, you do long, you no longer need ice stock photo and stuff like that. And these guys are going to monetize this um, properly in the next few years or next year. By the time the end of the year comes around, they're going to be able to monetize this properly. Um, well, twenty twenty three, right? Mm -hmm. And and you know, things like ice stock is just going to either they start using these types of things or they're just going to go away. Because I I will never use high ice stock again, right? Like. Because I can create my own people, right? I can create my own faces. I can say I want somebody that looks like this, or or I want this is the situation. I want this is the scene, and and it will make it so realistic that you can't tell, um, and it wouldn't look like structured photos anymore, right? It look like it's a real life situation. Um, so yeah, I think you know the same same thing with, you know the the web um, the website design and stuff like that. I think it's just another tool that designers can use to bootstrap ideation because now you you're crowdsourcing this right it's this ticket this is taking information from everywhere on the internet um and now being able to give you um a basis for design and stuff that going forward it, it, yeah the, the the examples that i've seen with it are absolutely incredible and i think again it comes down to your ability to interrogate and re request things in the right way but if you yeah. can then I, I'm not saying that it's going to deliver you a completed website, but what it's going to do is push your design in a certain direction, and then you have a designer clean it up afterwards. Probably that's kind of the way I would envisage it working. But yeah. where it where it can be really valuable as well, I subscribe to this other podcast, and they were talking about that they specialise in um, digital advertising. And they're talking about using these as your um, visuals for your ads. And you basically, yeah. when when they run ad agencies and when they're doing ad creatives for their clients, they just turn up with hundreds and hundreds of examples. And then the client says, I like stuff like this. You know, you show them, you know, the, the lots of examples and they decide what they want. 
Then you go away and two minutes later, you've got a whole ad set based upon their, you know, their, 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 their desire. So it, yeah, yeah. It, it can really accelerate, accelerate things like that as well, which I well, think is really interesting. Well, I think you don't even need to go away, right? Like I think, you know, as adoption grows, it's like in real time, you can say, you can start understanding a bit more because we've have, you know, my, my design team always has this problem and we have a, we have a meme about um, when, when the client comes back and goes, you know, what's wrong with it? And the client goes, I don't know what's wrong with it. Something's wrong with it, but I don't know. Right. Like, yeah. And, and you can kind of real time be able to, to kind of generate multiple ideas um, with them and help them decide. Right. So like you can, you don't necessarily need to find have the final product, but you'll be able to get a much more accurate understanding. Mm. And, and it just speeds everything up. Like, you know, something like that will take weeks of back and forth. You know, you can probably do that in an hour now, right? And get get um, the accurate feedback. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think we've 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 demonstrated to everybody that we're obsessed with this kind of technology, and yeah. <laughs> we're, we're clearly thinking of practical implementation, a practical implementation, and ideas and ways that it can be used in in yeah. real world. Um, so some some of the things that I think that it could potentially go into is um, as as you alluded to, I've been doing a lot of work on uh, outbound automation. And I think this kind of tech can really can really sit nicely as part of of this. Um, yeah. So I think you know one one of the tactics and strategies that I've been using is uh, outbound uh, LinkedIn video messages, which um, are, are personalised. We won't we won't go into yeah. too much details on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we've talked about um, email video outreach as well. So in, embedding um, videos in your emails. Um, and th this, this kind of tech, so you, you can create really, really robust sales scripts that, you know, it's difficult to get to, to the level that they can get and they can include hook humor in there and you can create a relationship with someone. So if you implement this as part of a, a sales strategy, I think it could be could be really good. Um, and also yeah. you can use SMS, right? So SMS marketing. Lots yep. of companies don't use it, and I think they should be because this is a way of, you know, your your deliverability rates are typically 90-plus percent compared to email, which is probably 20 percent. Um, and you can, you know, you therefore you're getting in front of someone. If you can get in front of someone with a really well-written, well-crafted, short message that makes them smile or makes them laugh and resonates with them at the right point in their, in, you know, whatever the process is, then yeah. that, that can make a difference. Right. And you can demonstrate humor. You can de demonstrate personality. For me, this is where this whole thing begins to connect together. When you, when you have a, a structure and a process. So you're not just sending someone a cold email, which too many companies do, right? They send you one cold email and that's the end of it. Or they send you a you know marketing message. If you build a, a really well-structured campaign that has a you know a defined approach to it that is engaging, is humorous, is um is insightful and adds value, right? We can use this technology to add value to our to our clients and their relationships and enable and, and, and nurture them and they and enable them to improve their business. Who else is doing that? Right? Most people yeah. they're selling their product. We've got this product. Will you buy it? If you're showing someone, right, I can help you do this, I can help you do that, I can help you do that, we can train you with this, all of which is generated by AI or the structure of which is generated by AI. You're different to everybody else if you approach yeah. things in that way, and that—that that for me, uh, that's the kind of the thought process that I'm going through at the moment. What, what's your thoughts, Tony? Yeah. Well, I feel like you were talking about me and a lot of those examples about just sending one email and never, never following up again. Me too. Me um, too. <laughs> like, uh, <clears throat> you know, but that's that's exactly what happens, right? Like, um, you know, I've in the past, you know, and and have worked with outbound cold email agencies, and and now I can like I can see. When other people email me, I can see that this is a company that they work with, or they work with this other company because I know the style, right? I know I know what the subject line is going to say. I know what they're going to say in, in in the middle of the thing. And uh, you know, from from what I've learned, it's some of those things work, right? There, it, it does work because they have business, and you know, we've gotten business out of it, so we know that it does work. However, like I think that for the you know for the right clients it's a lot of personalization right so like i think the video stuff is amazing being able to you know uh, 
see somebody, right? Well, they, they see you. It's a real person. Um, they, they see a real person and they're talking to you. Um, and it's going to be... Um, uh, when when they when they actually have that conversation, they know what to expect, right? So you 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 appear in their in their email, and they can see you, they can listen to you, and then when they it's that first level of trust. Exactly, exactly. I think for me, what it does is it enables you to potentially accelerate the relationship. That's kind of how I view it, right? It's it's nothing more than that. And we still shouldn't be pitching in our first email to somebody. What we should be doing is trying to add value to their business. Have you thought about this? Here's Here's a kind of thesis. Here's a narrative. Have you thought about implementing this type of thing into your business? Then you build a relationship with someone with three or four things that challenge the kind of common way of thinking you go through a process of emailing someone create an engagement someone create a relationship with them then when you ask them at the end of all that right do you want to jump on a call they're going to say yeah. well this guy's different to everybody else and yeah, that, exactly. that for me is you're, you're showing you yeah, well you're showing them that you're the sale is based upon your knowledge and expertise right and that's a completely that's the right way around to sell in my opinion yeah yeah and and, and these tools and you know the benefit of these tools is that you know, traditional sales agencies, they have, um, you know, they have 5, 10, 15, 20 salespeople just sat there. All they're doing is outbound calls every day. Um, mm. And we don't have that, right? Like my, my business doesn't have that. How do I kind of, uh, you know, how can I maximize the outreach um, with one person, right? Or zero people, like I have to do myself sometimes. So how do I, how do I kind of maximize that outreach? Um, and to do that, these tools allow you to, be personalized, it allows you to scale because let's face it, right? You, you need to probably send a thousand emails to get, you know, one potential customer, mm-hmm. right? Like um, many times, because our our target demographic is people with ideas, right? Mm-hmm. So how do, you, how do we kind of find people with ideas? It's not like a, a, you know, a specific sector. So we have to send a lot of outbounds to be able to get one one conversion. Um, and it's, these are the types of tools that allow you to do that. And some of the things out there are so sophisticated. And, you know, you, you've done, as I said before, you've done massive work on on identifying some of these solutions. And and there are things out there. And, you know, being different and being personalized and being, you know, just human, really, um, is, 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 you know, such a big thing. Sorry, I don't know why my, my, my lighting keeps changing. Oh, don't worry. Um, I'm not going anywhere. Just kind of fade in and out as we talk. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's well, maybe a sign of the electricity is about to run out. You know, <laughs> Bre- Brexit's working, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> Even though my like bulb is here, it's not, it's not helping me much. Um, so <laughs> moving swiftly on, so biggest tech fails of 2022, we've got a li- little list here. So, first on this is Google Stadia. I mean, this is hugely embarrassing for Google. Um, and, and actually, it's reassuring for us, right? Because it shows us that. Even the big guys get it wrong. And so they spent tens and tens of millions of pounds on launching this gaming platform. I think it was in 2019. Um, yeah. And their, their idea was that they were going to sell people subscriptions for like 20 bucks a month. And through that, you've got access to games and and, and tech. And they, they even spent $20 million on a JV with Ubisoft, which is one of the biggest game developers. And then they've closed it because they haven't got any users. What do you think yeah. about this, Donnie? Well, you know, Google has failed a lot more than they've succeeded, which is like people don't people tend not to realize that just because, you know, you Google everything and you AdWords everything, right? Like if you look at, you know, they failed with, um, you know, G- aside from Gmail and Google and just regular Google and AdWords, they've they've failed with a lot of stuff, right? Like um, this is just another one of those things where they've just not been able to to. Uh, I don't think they understood the loyalty that that gamers have, right? And and I feel like they they targeted uh, existing users to kind of convert rather than kind of going after a next generation. So rather than making a next generation tool, you know, they've they've tried to do the same thing but too late in the game. And gamers are loyal, man. That's one of the things. Like if you play a game, you play that game. You don't play anything else, right? And and I think that's the biggest challenge that they've had. They they tried to break in a little bit. They were too late on this one um, without trying to really um, uh, change 
or revolutionize what how how things are being done. I mean, distribution is one thing, right? Like making it cheaper and, and accessible is one thing, but like it's fundamentally the same as everything else. Yeah, no, I agree. And 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 as I alluded to, I think this this shows you that even large corporates who you know they've got more money than cents really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They even with unlimited capital to throw at something, it doesn't mean that you're going to be successful. And yeah. I think that that is the thing. And sometimes actually knowing when to back out of a situation, and that actually by doing this, Google is acknowledging that one's failed. Move on. And yeah. some companies would not be able to move on from it. And the fact that yeah. they can is kind of a testament to to them as a business. And knowing when to cut your losses is the key thing in kind of the, that experience because I think yeah. too often people just cling on to things that look they might have invested you know a huge amount of time and energy into building something but actually chop, chopping it off and cutting it off can be can be can be the best approach yeah absolutely I think people don't 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 know when I you know I use this term about knowing when your horse is dead and uh, people people tend not to tend not to understand when when things need to you know, you need to cut it off and go on, go on to the next thing. Which moves us nicely onto Twitter. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, look, I'll tell you what I say. I'm going to start really quickly on this one. Because <laughs> I have lots of thoughts on it. Okay. I think fundamentally, but I think in the end, Twitter will turn around, right? Like, okay. I don't think it's going to go, it's going to go extinct. And a lot of people are moving to different platforms and all these kind of things. Um, however, I, fundamentally, I think that Twitter will stay in some shape and form and, and it's not going to, I don't think it's going to gain a lot more users. I don't think it's going to lose a lot more users. I think it's going to stay around. I don't think that Musk is going to get, is going to do what he wants with it. Like uh, just, just his last thing about that Twitter poll and, you know, saying I, I will abide by, uh, if you tell me that I I shouldn't be CEO and then they say that he's going to be CEO and, and then he, um, he decides not to, to step down right and it's because there's a lot of bots on there right so like how do you come they need to fundamentally fix the issues with bots and identification and stuff like that and i think the way that he's going about it is just wrong and and exactly as you said before um you know because you've done well in in, a, in one space doesn't mean that you're going to do the same thing in another space right like elon musk my, my view on elon musk is that i think he's a he's a revolutionary Right, and, and we're going to talk about somebody after who I think is not a revolutionary. Um, I think Elon Musk makes people swing. He, you know, he swings three fences, and we don't do that anymore, right? Like nobody, mm -hmm. nobody takes that risk. Like he said, I want to go to Mars, right? And going to Mars means that the amount of technology that we'll produce in the in the in the um, effort to go to Mars is going to be, you know, world changing. He said, um, you know, I build batteries, but I'm going to build a car, right? Whereas you know, everybody loves that car, but when when the you know the output of that, the outcome of that is that now every car maker, every gas guzzler, you know, um, Porsche has a Porsche has an electric car, Range Rover has a fully electric vehicle. You know, he's changing the paradigm on certain things, right? So that's why I think he's revolutionary. Leadership style, I couldn't care for it. You know, like all those types of things that we see in the public, where you know the way he treats. Some people and stuff like that. I don't think those things are great. Um, and and the, the way he's come in for Twitter, I think it was just the wrong, completely wrong attitude to to you know to kind of make this better. And even he's made a mistake, right? They launched that um, blue tick thing in 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 under you know in under a week or two weeks, and it was a catastrophe, right? Mm. <laughs> you know, like in, in seconds, it was a catastrophe in seconds. So um, yeah, I, I think ultimately will. Twitter will survive, but like, yeah, not 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 um, not for a little while. No, I agree, and I think it's interesting the potential implications onto Tesla because clearly he's diverting his attention further. He already has SpaceX, he already has Tesla, and now he's got Twitter as well. It yeah. becomes a case of you know how can you keep all the plates spinning? And you know, actually, even he said this recently. If Tesla doesn't solve the autonomous driving thing, which it hasn't, right? He said it was going to be done by now. It hasn't solved it yet. If 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 Tesla doesn't solve that, then they they failed, right? And he knows that that you know the the sky high valuation that they achieved during the 
liquidity event that followed COVID, where everyone yeah. had capital that the governments were giving away, meant that his, his share price went sky high. And to be fair to him, he cashed out some of it at the top, and he's still cashing out now. Whether that's to you know provide liquidity for Twitter or not, time will tell. But I just think that, yeah, you, you end up with distracted, not focusing, and that could, that could potentially be a risk, which, yeah, we, we, this will play out, obviously. Um, talk, talking of, 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 of this, the next on the list, we've got Meta. Um, yeah. In my words, what the fuck is Zuckerberg thinking? I mean, like, <laughs> really? What, you know, I, I think it was the time when everybody was excited about the Metaverse, but the numbers that people who are actually using the Metaverse, both from a crypto perspective, but also from, from Facebook's perspective with Oculus, is it's woefully small. It's not enough people. So do we think he's back the wrong horse here? Is that is that the takeaway? I, I, I don't I don't think that he's back the wrong horse necessarily. Um like I, I don't you know everybody goes he's a visionary and stuff like that and I, I don't I don't think he is. Like I think Musk is a visionary. I think Zuckerberg has done really well with surrounding himself with really smart people. Uh and they've accomplished amazing things with Facebook, right? Like the, the all the all the stuff with the data and the, the data parts and all the tools that have come out of of Facebook, you know, like React and React Native, the ability to build apps using JavaScript, um, and um, you know, a few other things. It's been it's been amazing. Um, but like I, I think there is an opportunity for us to get to that you know, second life type world. Um uh, and I, I think I think it will it will get there. I don't think that the current strategy is correct. Um, oh, do you know so, what? I don't want to wear a headset, and that's yeah, the bottom yeah. line. <laughs> but well, you I'll... know, it, but like we don't know if kids will, right? Like I, you know, and, and maybe the devices, um, the devices are wrong right now. So maybe the, the the type of devices that we're using are incorrect. Um, we I've seen a, a startup doing um, training courses using headset. Um, Teaching people to cut hair, uh, which which seems really odd that you can teach somebody on a headset to cut hair, but it it was it has been working, right? Like people were were feel felt like they're in the in the classroom with the teacher. Um, so, so I think there are applications for it. Like, but his current view is is I think we, as I said, like the current strategy is wrong. I think you know they haven't cracked what. Everybody's upset about in social media is that they haven't cracked what what TikTok has done, right? What TikTok has done is it's just captivated the next generation of audiences. When when Facebook came out, it captivated that next generation of audiences. Now that next generation of audiences is old, right? Because it's been mm. around for what fifteen years already, um, uh, or, or something like that, right? And it, you know we, we are now old. We were that generation when we, you know, when we were you know early twenties. Or, or you know mid twenties when when Twitter came out, what sorry when Meta came out or Facebook came out, we were using it. You know we remember MySpace, but now we they haven't been able to then move that along. And same thing with Google, right? They've not been able to to, to figure out how to communicate to that next generation. Um, and I, I yeah I think that the current strategy is wrong, and he you know he better fix it fast because. They're losing a lot of capitalization right now. People are just moving away from the platform and, every, you know, Facebook itself. And and then finally, we've got um, Alexa, which Amazon has invested literally billions into. And yeah. they've lost a fortune, according to an article that I've been reading in Business Insider, whereby the only thing that people use Alexa for is to tell them to play, play some music or to tell them what the weather is, right? They're not using these advanced features that, that Amazon was trying to, you know, basically they wanted people to buy 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 stuff from shops and so on and so forth. I just don't think people are using it. And so they've, I think that they've basically beginning to can it, which again, you know, these are the, all the biggest companies in the world and they're all making fundamentally huge mistakes in their strategy um, yeah. Do you think that this is a kind of recurring theme of the old guard aren't advancing quickly and they're just kind of resting on their laurels and, you know, it's just a matter of time until the, you know, the young whippersnappers come and shake it all up again? Do you think that's what's going to yeah. happen? Well, 
I think what's happened is that we've dismissed privacy for mm. a long time and younger people now are are interested in it, right? Like people take concerns like my daughter, I have an Alexa and I can't tell Alexa to do anything because every time my daughter walks past, she, put, she puts the mute button on, right? So like it's, it's dumb for me. So sometimes we'll just play music through it, but we'll use, like I'll use my phone and stream to the speaker, but mm. not care that Alexa is there because there's no no value for it. Um, uh, you know, it's it's younger people are not, but you know, we're using that data. You know, Amazon is recording people. Google, nobody's trusting any of these big companies anymore, and they're going to pay for it because mm. they, they, there's zero trust in it. People are moving to things where they can, they feel like they can trust um, the company. Or this is where this is where things like um, blockchain and trustless systems become mm. really important in the future, right? People don't want to know. They don't want to know. They don't want you to know their identity. They don't want to know what they're shopping for. Um, whereas I don't really mind if something comes up and it's useful to me. I don't mind the suggestions. But like um, younger people definitely don't like it. And and that's the thing that these companies need. They need to build back their trust with the consumer. Mm, no, I agree. It's uh, yeah. It feels like there's a pivot. That kind of decentralized thing is becoming more. Yeah, more 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 demand for it. Whether it will actually translate into you know kind of inverted commas real real world usage remains to be seen. Yeah. This leads yeah. us nicely into our kind of crypto chat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, th- I think that for me, one of the key things that happened this year was Ethereum sw- switching to proof of stake. And what basically what that means for those who aren't familiar is Ethereum was originally backed by what were called miners that were basically solving really complex algorithms. And in return for doing that, they got rewarded with tokens. Um, And now what they're asking their users to do is to basically pledge their, deposit their Ethereum onto the blockchain in a secure contract. And for doing that, they secure the they secure the blockchain, and then they get rewarded um, with um, tokens. And what this does is it reduces the um, basically energy consumption that's required to keep the blockchain going significantly, yeah. and it also reduces the costs as well, doesn't it? So there's there's significant advantages for this. Um, and the theory was that Ethereum will go to what they call a um, negative. Um, output in terms of the new 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 tokens that that has happened to some extent um, and effectively it should have become deflationary and it has to some extent but not really that to the extent that everybody expected and secondly the number of transactions that have been happening because of the kind of inverted commas crypto winter seems to have slowed things down a bit so you haven't got that kind of sky high demand that we had in you know 2020 2021 um What's your thoughts on all this? Are you are you, are you holding Ethereum? Do you continue to, to support I, it? I, I have not. I, I've I've given up all of my crypto, week, but uh, you know, uh, last year. But um, crypto is the future, right? The, the, mm. the digital currency is 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 definitely going to make adoption. Uh, you know, governments. You know, the way we kind of use fiat and and cash and you know our concept of money is going to change, uh, and younger people are going to build the adoption for it. I think proof of stake is amazing. I think that's one of the, you know, um, one of the defining points in in crypto going forward, right? Like I think uh, because as I said, as I kind of alluded to before, that becomes a trustless system, right? So um, you no longer need to have a central place that that kind of talks um, and and kind of validates stuff for you. Um, and and one thing to to note on on what you were saying is that it it also allows the user. Or the holder of crypto to validate the other transactions. So, you know, it no longer has to, you know, do complex calculations. It can just say, you know, this transaction, we have the ledger. I put my money up so that I'm, you know, that I'm valid. I will validate this transaction for you and I'll get a little bit of money off of the of the transaction fee. So um that will make adoption bigger, right? I think the barrier to entry right now is the cost of, you know, I think you need to use the to ether um to to, to become a validator mm-hmm. right now. So to, to stake, you have to take 32, which is still quite a lot of money. Most people don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as that comes down and adoption grows, uh, it will become the default thing. And you know, one of the things that your your prediction for 2023, that'll, that'll affect that, right? Um, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll come on to that in a minute. Um, so I think that the... 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because at the moment you've actually got, it's actually made Ethereum in some ways more centralised because lots of the money that is pledged in, t- in terms of the money that is staked is, is done through centralised platforms such as Coinbase, probably FTX as well. So who knows what's going to happen there because that's, that's a bit of a nightmare. We'll come on to that briefly in a moment. Um, but yeah, the theory is that over time, then, you know, it'll become more decentralized. So yeah, moving, moving swiftly on, because I'm conscious of time, FTX, yeah, yeah. right? You brought this up as a topic. What what have you got to say? Oh my God. It's a, it's a good and bad thing. I mean, the, the, the bad thing is obviously it's a, I mean, it's, it's crap, right? Like the, the, these guys are just playing with people's money and, and, and what's gonna the sad thing of of that is that he will probably not face the the uh, you know the sentencing and stuff like that that he should be facing because he he just pledged a lot of money to political parties right um, and um, so so people are gonna protect him uh, you know that's my that's my feeling that he will be protected uh, he's not gonna face the full force of the you know of what what he's done um, but on the other side is that I think that compliance will come into place, right? I think that there will be much more compliance around it. I think it will become a safer, more regulated space. I don't know how long that's going to take, but I believe that that's what's going to happen. And I know, you know, I've had discussions with some of my friends who, you know, kind of disagree with me on on whether compliance will will increase adoption. But I, I think that compliance will increase adoption, right? And that's what we want. We want people to feel safe if you speak to certain people right now, they'll be like, no, 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 I don't want to invest in crypto because it's just, it's just crazy, right? Things like, you know, FTX can happen and it's happened before. Well, not to this scale, but it's happened before. And then, you know, could Binance be the next one? But like, you know, I think compliance will definitely become um, a part of crypto going forward. And that will then help greater adoption in, in the space. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting to see what happens with Binance. Uh, they're the largest exchange and they've had huge outflows in the last week or so. They appear to be holding on, but let's see, right? I mean, it's, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're in talks about making a large acquisition for a billion dollars or something I saw this morning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's see how that plays out. Hopefully that doesn't happen because if that collapses, I think it's going to be a tough time for for all those in that in that sector. Um, that kind of kind of moves us on to, um, and actually, there's a key point that I need to make on this. So, fundamentally, the blockchain has not failed during this process, right? No, so, no, this no. isn't a technology failure. This is this is a person person failure. So, someone yeah. had someone had control of people's assets, and you know the old saying, "Not your keys, not your crypto," is never more appropriate. So, if you are interested in the space. Learn about creating a secure environment, which where you store your store your tokens, because yeah. otherwise this can happen. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That, that that's that's a key point. Right? You know, I agree. Like, this was just a hu- this was a human problem, and something yeah. you alluded to before about Tesla and the the the, uh, the self driving cars, right? Like I've said this before to you. The problem with self driving cars is not the technology that Tesla has built or the technology that other people has built. It's the fact that we have humans as well. So self-driving, like computers and humans driving on the same road will never work, mm. right? Computers have to, you know, if computers drive with computers, it'll be fine. So, yeah. so the technology there is probably not the problem. No, I agree. I agree. Okay, so let's go on to the predictions in tech for 2023. Um, yeah. We've got quite a short list. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. So, so go on, I'll, I'll let you let you run. Well, like, like I was saying, like uh, ChatGPT is going to be banned from user-generated content sites, right? <laughs> so like anywhere you can generate user content, they will they will have safeguards in place so that you will not be able to use it straight out of the box, right? So like we discussed earlier, I think you can finesse the content, but you have to, to do something with it. You can't just, you know, have it automatically generate content and post it onto these sites like LinkedIn and, uh, and um, uh, Stack Overflow, which is already banned. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough year to to kind of deploy this into production next year. Well, well yeah, but I mean, there's always you know other technology that you can get re- content rewritten, yeah, yeah. right? So there's always a workaround. But yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. And then in terms of the crypto prediction, is is 2023 the year that we see ETH overtake BTC? 
I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I uh, think uh, I think the play. I think the two things that we talked about with FTX is going to affect that a little bit. I think that um, if there's if Binance fails, it'll be a really bad hit in the crypto space. Is my is my thing. If it doesn't fail um, and the play out of FTX is oversight and compliant, I think that it'll build the blocks for that, and then adoption will increase. So I think if things can happen in the next year that will put those building blocks in place, I think 2024 adoption will start increasing and maybe 2025 is when when uh, when we can see that happening. Okay. Well, look, as ever, whenever we talk, I come away learning some stuff and, yeah, inspired and motivated. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to thank you because I've enjoyed our chats every week. It's been, uh, it's been good fun. No, I know it's been we- my... I know we missed a few, but yeah, it's been yeah, really yeah. good. Well, it's um, been my pleasure, and, and I love doing it as well. Like I, I, you know, we we always come up with with some good ideas and uh, <laughs> some some um, some interesting chats. So yeah, I th- it's been great, and and thank you very much. And and where can we find you, Donny? If uh, people want to reach out, if they've got an idea and they're looking for a technology partner, yeah, just just reach out to me at Donny at Six Berries. We'll put it in the uh, in the in the chat notes and. Um, uh, you know, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Yeah, perfect. All right. Well, here's to a Merry and Christmas. Same for you, Matt. Like, where, where, where can people meet you? Uh, so I've got probably LinkedIn is the best place. Matt Lenzi yeah. on LinkedIn. Yeah. All right. Cool. We'll, we'll put it in chat. Yeah. In notes. Awesome. Well, have a good Christmas, mate, and look and forward to catching you. up in the new year. Yeah. Thanks very much. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye bye.